Our scripture reading comes to us today from Paul's first letter to Timothy in the second chapter, verses 1 through 4. Let us listen for the word of God. First of all, then I urge that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgivings be made for everyone, for kings and all who are in high positions, so that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and dignity. This is right and is acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who desires everyone to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. I have a good friend that spends time each month at a float spa. And if you have never heard of a float spa, don't feel bad, I'd never heard of it either before she told me about it. From what I can tell, um, a float spa is a storefront that is filled with sensory deprivation tanks. So people pay to go in there and crawl into one of those tanks, which is enclosed, and they float around in water in the dark. Now, I will confess to you that I'm a bit claustrophobic, so to me, the float spa sounds more like a nightmare than a spa treatment, but my friend says it's great. She loves it. She says it's very, very popular. It's actually hard to reserve a time at the float spa because there are so many people who want to float around in those enclosed tanks. She says that people are willing to pay for a little peace and quiet. Well, friends, I don't think there's any denying that there are an awful lot of us who are searching for peace these days. We seem to feel that it's missing from our lives. It's hard to feel peace, to experience peacefulness when the bank balance seems low or the car won't start or the children are having problems in school. It's hard to know peace when the diagnosis is cancer when a treasured relationship is falling apart, when we don't get the promotion at work that we were expecting. And it's hard to know peace when the political environment in our country is so toxic that many of you tell me that you fear you cannot have a civil conversation with your neighbors, or in some cases even with family members. And it is hard to know peace when we scroll through our phones each day and there is yet another incident of terrorism or violence, we see evidence of war in our world and these things make us afraid. No, friends, I think it's indisputable. There are many of us who are searching for peace these days. We really do want to know it, so no wonder there are so many folks willing to crawl into a tank of dark water trying to find it. But no offense to the people that came up with a sensory deprivation tank float spa idea, I think we want more than two hours of peace and quiet that costs 200 bucks. Actually, I think what most of us want, not just for Christmas, but all the time, is to know real peace, to live in peace, to dwell in peace, to lead what the writer of 1 Timothy calls a quiet and peaceable life. Friends, given the realities of our world, how can we know that kind of peace? 
Well, first of all, I think if we want peace, if we want to live in peace, then we've got to make peace with ourselves. That's where it starts, you know, in our hearts. It's incredible to me how many people are at war within themselves and yet expect somehow to be able to know peace. There are a lot of us who are not at peace with our past. We're not at peace with our imperfections. We are not at peace with our own thoughts. We are not at peace with our own lives. And we think somehow if we can get the external circumstances right, then we're going to know peace. Sometimes I know that it is tempting to think we can run away. We think we can run far, far away and hide or maybe change our external circumstances in some radical way and then we will know peace. But there's that old saying, wherever you go, you are. You know what I mean? I think this is why the old hymn says, let there be peace on earth and let it begin with me. And this is why Jesus says, do not let your hearts be troubled and do not let them be afraid. Friends, if we want to know peace, we don't start out there. We gotta start in here. In the classic Christmas movie, Home Alone, which incidentally began its annual marathon about a week ago, I feel like every time I turn on the TV, it's showing on some channel. Well, there's a little boy named Kevin who accidentally gets left behind by his family when they go on Christmas vacation. Now, they go all the way to Paris and leave him behind here in the U.S., and he's only eight years old, but Kevin is not really disturbed about this at first. Actually, he's sort of happy because he's been fighting with his family, hasn't been getting along with them, he's been getting into trouble. So he thinks when they disappear at first, it's good. He's getting a break from them, and in his words, he gets to eat junk and watch rubbish while the adults are gone. But then after a while, Kevin changes his tune. He starts to miss his family and feel sad that he's not with them at Christmas time, and moreover, he feels very guilty because of the way he's treated them and how they haven't been getting along, you can just about see the burden of this sit on his eight-year-old shoulders. So eventually, he makes his way to church on Christmas Eve, and there he runs into an elderly neighbor of his who is also there because he's sad about family troubles. And that neighbor comes and sits down next to Kevin and says, have you been a good boy this year? And Kevin says, yes. And then the neighbor says, do you swear on it? And Kevin says, no. And in that one word, again, you can see the guilt and the burden that he is carrying. He feels so bad about the way he has treated his family, the state of their relationship. He misses them so much. And then this very wise elderly neighbor says, mm, I thought so. Well, you're in church now. This is the place to come when you're feeling bad about yourself. Friends, isn't that true? 
I pray it is true. I pray the church is always a safe place to come, the right place to come when we're feeling bad about ourselves, when we need forgiveness, when we need healing, when we need a fresh start, when we need a balm for our troubled souls. Or as Augustine put it, our souls are restless, Lord, until they find their rest in Thee. My very dear colleague and friend, the late Reverend Jim Moore, used to tell a story about a little boy in his church that went running down the hall after Sunday school, carrying a little pottery tray in his hands that he had made for his mother. It was to be a gift for her, and he had worked on it for several weeks, so he was so excited to give it to her, and as soon as his teacher released him, he just blasted out the door with that tray, running, running down the carpeted hallway to give it to his mother, and he caught his toe, and he tripped, and he fell, and the tray broke into pieces, and the little boy began to sob. He was inconsolable. And of course, Sunday school teachers and other adults came and tried to comfort him, but he would not be comforted. Then his mother came on the scene, and kneeling down beside her little son, she put an arm around him, and she said, oh, it'll be all right. I think this is fixable. Let's gather up the pieces and we'll take them home, and we'll see what we can make of them. And then he smiled and hugged his mother. Friends, I know there are times that it feels like our world is broken into pieces. We might feel like our relationships with our friends, our neighbors, our family are broken into pieces. We may feel that our own lives are broken into pieces. And when we feel that way, I believe with my whole heart that Jesus comes along beside us and wraps an arm of grace around our shoulders and says, oh, it'll be all right. I think this is fixable. Let's gather up the pieces and see what we can make of it. Friends, do you want to know peace? Do you want to lead a quiet and peaceable life? You can start today, you know. You can start today by making peace with God. Open your heart to the love and forgiveness the healing and the comfort of Jesus. When you make peace with God, you see, you really do make peace with yourself. And step two, well, you're already doing it because you're here this morning. You see, the peaceable life that the early Christians longed for this longing that was so beautifully articulated in our text this morning, it was a longing for the peace to practice their religion, the quiet of worship, the quiet of prayer. Early Christians understood, you see, that we can't live a peaceable life in isolation, that a life of peace is intimately intertwined 
with the life of the church, the body of Christ. So in order to lead that quiet and peaceable life, writer, first of all, I urge you, come together for worship and pray. Offer prayers of thanksgiving, of intercession, of supplication. Pray for everyone. They understood the importance of community, you see. Sometimes, friends, I know when things are really bad, that sensory deprivation tank might sound like a good idea. Or maybe we have those moments where we think, you know, I could go and be a hermit out in the desert for a year or two and wait for this to clear. But the reality is that peace is fostered and ultimately fully known in community. You know, when I was appointed to this great church, it was a bit of a mystery to my friends in my home conference. I hope all of you know that I came to you from the North Texas Conference up in the Dallas area. So many of my friends there really were not familiar with Alamo Heights United Methodist Church, and I had a lot of interesting discussions with them about it. One of my great friends, who is quite opinionated, and he will own that, was talking to me one day about the sanctuary. And he said, is the sanctuary beautiful? And I said, indeed it is. And he said, well, given the age of the church, I would assume that you've got pews in there. And I said, yes, there are pews. And he said, oh, that's a bummer. He said, you know, a lot of churches are pulling their pews out because chairs just give you so much more flexibility for worship. You can set up in all different ways, and you can put chairs in, you can pull chairs out, you can reorient which way they face. He said, I just really like chairs. I think they're better. Now, friends, I want to go on record here. I have nothing against chairs. Chairs are great. And I understood what my friend was saying about the flexibility that they offer. Please, please do not send me email this week that accuses me of being prejudiced against chairs. <laughs> However, I will also be candid and tell you that I have kind of a preference for pews. And not just because I grew up sitting in them with my family. I have a preference for pews for a theological reason. I believe that pews stand for something. I really do. You see, I think pews are truly a Christian piece of furniture because they're meant to be shared. Ideally, you're never alone in a pew. Somebody is going to pass you the offering plate or the attendance pad. When you're in a pew, Somebody's going to pass you a Bible or a hymnal if you need one, or vice versa, or, or even better, you're going to get to share a hymnal with them and sing the great songs of the faith. In a pew, hopefully, you are sitting with a brother or a sister, a dear friend, a fellow worker in the faith. You see, I think pews help us remember the high value that we place on community, that we are not alone as Christian people. 
that we have God and we have one another. And we live into this truth, you see, week after week and year after year and season after season as we gather for worship and we pray for everyone in community together. That's important all the time. But especially when we are feeling afraid and we need peace. Friends, I think we need to come together for worship because we need that assurance, you see, the strength that we gain from one another and from the reminder that we are in relationship with God. And innately, I just think human beings know this, that we need the peace that comes from that kind of community. Do you remember how full our churches were after 9-11? Do you remember? I know in my home church, you couldn't get a seat that next Sunday. When we are afraid, when we long for peace, we are driven to be together to worship our God. There is something to that, I think. Friends, I believe with my whole heart that the, the seed of peace that Jesus plants within us and nurtures comes to full bloom in Christian community. So this is how we know peace, you see. This is how we, we find this peace that we want so badly. Friends, we're not going to get the peace by controlling circumstances. That's just not possible. But we can make peace with God. And then we can live into our Christian values as community members. We can gather together to pray, to worship, to share that pew to sit next to that brother or sister in the chair, to remind ourselves that we are never alone, and in that there is a peace that surpasses all understanding. And as we live into that, we are then emboldened to be peacemakers. And Lord knows the world needs more of those, don't you think? So I hope that not only during this Advent season, but all the time, we will all gather to worship God with our whole heart and mind and soul and strength as if our lives depend upon it, because they do. And I pray that as we look forward to the gift of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ that we celebrate each year at Christmas, we will also remember the peace that He brings and draw upon it for ourselves and for our community and allow it to push us out into the world to be people who are peacemakers. May we be people who reach out, even to those with whom we disagree, with a hand of peace. Friends, sometimes the way peace works, I think, is like the pebble that drops into the pond. If we each play our part, what a peaceful world we might live in. And I pray, too, that we will draw courage and strength to truly pray for everyone as the writer asks us to do, certainly for those who long for peace all over the world, but also for those who would rob us of peace through hate or ugliness or violence or fear. As Christians, we are called to pray for them as well, that they will repent and turn to the way of peace themselves. 
peace. It is a gift to us at Christmas time and all the time if we will accept it and live into it. Lord, let there be peace on earth and let it begin with us, with us. Alamo Heights United Methodist Church with us right here, right now. Let us pray. Most holy and gracious God, we are ever mindful that you are the source of holy peace, that indeed Christ brings the peace that surpasses all understanding. Lord, give us boldness to open our hearts to claim that and as community to live into it, that your holy peace may reign. It is in Christ's name that we pray. Amen. Our invitation to Christian discipleship this week is to make peace with God and then continue to live into our Christian values of worship and prayer that we might be emboldened to be peacemakers. The invitation is also made, if you would like to unite with our church, I invite you to come forward as we sing our final hymn together. It's number 209, Blessed Be the God of Israel. Will you stand and let's sing together?